0: Welcome to the Christian Worship Center podcast. We pray that this message encourages you and inspires you. Visit us online at
1: www.cwcsj.org for service times and directions. 2 Kings chapter 4. Uh, I want to share with you a story that uh, a message I've preached years ago, but th- this message is so appropriate when we talk about excuses. I want to revisit this message from a woman that was called the Shunammite woman. The Shunammite woman lived in the city of Shunamm. And the Bible says that she was a notable woman. Everyone say notable. Notable. In other words, not only was she well known, but this woman was well off. She she had her she had good money. This woman was was taken care of. This lady had character as well. You see, there, there's individuals that might do well financially, but they don't do well character wise. There are people that are nice people, but they don't have much. This lady not only was blessed financially, but she was a woman of character as well. In fact, the Bible uh, implies that when she would walk into the public square, people's breath were taken away. That's what the word notable kind of entails, that when they would see her, they would literally, their breath would be taken away when they saw her because she had that kind of reputation. But I want you to notice in verse 8 of chapter 4 of 2 Kings, it says this, one day, everyone say one one day. I tell you, whenever you see one day in the Bible, recognize that God is letting you know that there are appointed times that he's about to do something. That, that there are appointed times that God has set aside. That regardless of what you go through, there is a one day that is coming for your life. So if you have been going through those days, I want you to understand, one day is coming. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. So Elijah went down to the town of Shunem, and a wealthy woman lived there. And she urged him to come to her home for a meal. After that, whenever he passed her way, he would stop by for something to eat. Somebody say amen. amen. That's a good lady right there. As a pastor, I, I feel that, you know. You walk by a certain place a certain time and, you know, those people that invite you to, you know, to, to eat or you know, and you don't have to pay for the meal after you eat, it's a good thing. You got them folks that invite you out to eat, and while you're sitting there, the bill comes, and they, they got to go to the bathroom or something. They disappear on you. <laughs> That's for nobody up in here, huh? Look, notice it here in verse 9. And she said to her husband, I am sure that this man who stops from time to time is a holy man of God. Let us build, someone say build. Build. A small room for him on the roof, furnish it with a bed, a table, a chair, and a lamp. And then he will have a place, someone say place, to stay whenever he comes by. Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, help in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want you to notice something that takes place here. When we talk about the Shunammite woman, we're talking about a woman of nobility, a woman that was wealthy. We're talking about a woman that the Bible says that where where, where Elijah, the prophet, would be on his way to minister in a certain town on the highway that he would pass by, this woman had her house. And Elijah would walk by her house on the way to minister to this certain place. And when he would walk by, she recognized that he was a man of God. And she would invite him into her home and she would feed him. She would take care of him. She she would minister to him by giving food and recognizing that this man is always giving. Let me take time and give to him. And so as as the the man of God would come by, he would stop by and she would see through her window. She would watch him and observe him walking by. And one day she said, you know what, I want to invite you in to eat. And he came and ate. And as she got to know him, the spirit of God that rested in him made her house better. And it got to the point where she said this, listen, I'm not just going to have him. It's not enough anymore for me just to feed him. Come on, somebody. Well, when you get the presence of God that comes in, when you come in, you get a little bite of the presence. When you come in and get a little touch of the presence of God, it comes to a point where you're like, God, I don't want you to visit me any longer. I want you to dwell with me. Say it again, Pastor. It's not enough for you to get the visitation. You're an individual that wants the habitation of God. Sunday's not enough for me. Amen. Getting a touch on Wednesday is not enough. God, I want you to move in. So what this lady does, she tells her husband, babe, let, let's do this. We, we got our house here. I want to add an addition. Pastor Matt said it so beautifully this morning. I want to expand our capacity. Our house right now can fit X amount of people, but I want to expand our capacity. I want to build a, another room on the roof of our house. And I want to add a place so that when the man of God comes, he can not just eat, but that he can literally stay here. See, I need you to understand, she was making room for God. Appreciate that, sister. She was making room for God. She literally said this, right now I don't have room for God. But I'm going to expand my capacity. I'm going to expand my ability. And I'm literally going to make room for God. I shared on Wednesday night that you and I were specifically designed in the, in the book of Genesis. That we were designed as man to carry the presence of God. You were designed when God blew his breath into you and he formed you out of the dust of the ground. He blew into man and man had the capacity to carry the presence. But over the years, we have become filled with other things. And we don't have room for God anymore. And this woman said, I'm going to make room for you. I'm going to expand my capacity. I'm going to open up my ability, and I'm going to make a room for the man of God. And so the man of God comes in, and he, he, he comes into this place that this woman's prepared for him. And while he's there, he starts looking around and says, man, this lady has been so good to us. We got to do something for her. And so I need you to understand, when you make room for God, God will make room for you. When you make God a priority, God will make you a priority. And so when, when she makes this room, the, 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 the man of God, Elijah, is sitting in his room, and he looks at his servant, and he says, we got to do something for this lady. You know, let's do something for her. And, and, and they, they start thinking about it, and then the, the, the servant says, you know, she, she's, she's a rich lady. she got things going on, but she doesn't have a son. She has no children. And so Elijah says, call her up to the room. And so the woman comes and he looks at the woman, the Shunammite woman, wealthy woman. Things are going great. Looks at her and says, about this time next year. Actually, let me take, let me t- he looks at her and says, what can we do for you? And she's, her, look at her response. She says this. She says, I dwell among my own people. What, what she was saying was this. Hey. I'm fine. My family takes care of me. I didn't do this so you'd do something for me. I'm not doing this so you're going to give me something back. I don't give to God because I'm waiting for something in return. I, I didn't take you out to eat because I wanted you to take me out afterwards. I did this because I love you. I did this because I care about you. I did this because I want you in my house. I'm not looking for you to give me something back and say we we can get shady sometimes where we use the, these little things. God knows our motives. God knows the purpose behind things. And this woman was saying, listen, I don't need anything from you. I don't want anything from you. I didn't do this so that you would bless me. I'm giving you this because I want you in my home. That's what she was saying. Now listen to me. This, this is where it gets cool. Elijah says this. About this time next year, you're going to have a son. And this woman that had it all together stops. And she says in verse 16, No, my Lord. You're going to have a son. No is her response. Why? Look what she says. No, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. I'm wealthy. I got a great husband. I got a great, everything is fine. We got land. We got servants. But you know what? I've gotten to the point that I've finally understood I'm never going to have a child. Don't awaken what's already died inside of me. And many of us live our lives where we've gotten to the point where we recognize our marriage is never going to get better than it is right now. We're never going to have children. We're never going to get out of debt. I'll never be healthy. And then when a promise from the word of God comes and says, I'm going to put your marriage together. I'm going to give you children. I'm going to break you out of that bondage of finances. When you hear it, you sit there and you know that it's a word for you, but you're like, no, God, don't awaken. Something that I've already accepted will never happen. Instead of saying, yes, Lord. We say no, Lord. This isn't for me. I've 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 just, I've just i just come to terms with it. Just accept it. This is just the way how how many know what I'm talking about right now? Come on. Hey. You've gotten some things in your life that you just got, I'm always going to have this addiction. I ain't never going to, I'm always going to deal with this kind of problem. I'm, I'm never going to find a wife, never going to find a husband. I'm always going to be battling with this depression. I'm always going to be feeling like I'm not good enough. I'm always going to, and we're in this thing that we've just learned to live with it. I need you to understand that God has an appointed time for you. And I speak this over you right now. Some of y'all are getting pregnant right now. Some of you are getting pregnant this very moment. The Spirit of God right now is coming and beginning to breathe something into you. The things that you've given up on, all of a sudden inside your spirit, are beginning to come alive right now. The same way God overshadowed Mary, the virgin, and brought about a child, there is something that is beginning to grow inside of you. Things that you thought would never happen. And I need you to understand something that when you find yourself in this time, when you've given up on your hopes and dreams, I want you to understand this don't give up. It's not over. It's not done. It's not over. That business you've been praying for, it's not over. It's not done. Don't give up. About a year later, she has her baby. She has the baby and the baby begins to grow, becomes a toddler, becomes a little child and... Starts growing up and becoming into the adolescence, and one day, the child's working out with his father in the field and goes to his dad and says, Dad, my head hurts. I got a a headache, and his dad said, well, go to your mother. I I need you to capture this. You know, when, when, when you have a dream, when you have a dream and you've given birth to a dream, no one cares about that dream as much as you do. No, no one cares about that dream. And so when the father hears that the, that the promised son has, has a headache, just go to your mother. Go, go, go to your, your mom. And the mom sees him, takes the child, and she holds him. And as she's holding him, she sees that her son, and many, many biblical scholars believe that he had an aneurysm. You know aneurysms, that they're deadly. And the, the child, as she's holding her promise, as the, the child is, as she's sitting there and she's holding the thing that she carried for nine months, now she's carrying him again. And no matter how much she's praying over him, no matter how much she's holding him, no matter how much she's praying o- over that he would be okay, she sees the very thing that she's been praying for dying in her hands, and her son dies. Her son dies. What does this notable woman do? She picks up her baby. She walks into the house. She goes upstairs. Opens the door to the man of God's room and lays her baby on his bed. I need to submit this to you this morning. You better hope that whatever you're building right now can hold the things that you love when they die. What are you building? What are the things you're investing in right now? She carries the baby up to the room. See, she had a place because she prepared a place for the man of God. She had a place to go whenever she found trouble now. She had a place to run to. She had a place to go to. She had a place. It's too late to build a place when that thing has died. You gotta build it now. You gotta establish it now. The child dies and she picks up the baby and she takes him up to, her, to the room, lays him down, and then she closes the door. She don't want anyone stumbling in on her son. And she calls out to her husband and says this. I want you to notice what she says. She tells him this. How, how, how do you, what, what do you do? What do you, what do you do when your promise dies? What do you do when the thing you've been believing for dies? I'm already ahead of my notes here, so let me kind of backtrack. Number one, when your promise dies, what do you do? Number one, you got to know where to go. You got to know where to go. And too many times when, when struggles happen in marriage and finances and so forth, people leave the church rather than running to God. When you're going through trouble, you got to know where to go. When you're going through battle, you've got to know where to go. You better have built a place that you know that you can go when you're in trouble. Second thing I want you to notice is this. Is that when your promise dies, you've got to saddle up and drive on. See, I love what happens here. Later on in the verse, it says this. She calls out to her husband. I believe the scriptures in the very beginning scriptures that we were going to share. In 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 8. Or actually, verse 24, I take that back. Verse 24, it says this. So she calls to her husband and says this. Send me a servant and bring me a donkey. That I may go see the man of God. And her husband says this. Why are you going to church today? It ain't Sunday. Today's not Easter. But what are you going to church today for? Today, you don't have it's Wednesday night service. And he asks, is everything okay? Is everything all right? Her response is, it is well. How many of us, when someone asks us how things are going, have the faith to say it is well when it's not? This lady, her husband says, is everything okay? And she says, it's going to be. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And so they bring the, 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 the animal to her. And I want you to notice something very powerful takes place. The, the King James puts it this way. So she saddled an ass. And said to her servant, Drive on and go forward. Do not slack in riding for me, except I bid thee. See, I want to get a little King James on you sometimes. That when we find ourselves in trouble, when the thing that we're praying for dies, and you're trying to drive on in your life, there are times that you can't rely on someone else to saddle you up. You gotta saddle yourself up and move on. Yet someone else can't prepare you to move forward. You gotta gr- grind up, you gotta stand up, you gotta pr- push up, and you gotta begin to saddle up and drive on. You want me to say it. I'm not going to say it this morning. (laughs) Maybe second service. (laughs) Sometimes you have to saddle your own donkey. I'm trying to get better. Come on, folks. (laughs) I'm trying to get better. But in your own times of crisis... You got to saddle your own King James donkey. You guys are all saying it in your mind right now, so turn to your neighbor, tell him you got to saddle your own donkey. So the third thing I want you to notice is this, is that, so she goes looking. Now, I, I want, there, there is nothing, there is nothing more powerful than the wo- a woman on the move. When a woman needs something done. And this woman, is, she, she's, she gets the donkey, she saddles up the donkey, jumps on it, and starts going. Now, I'm wondering, why would you get a donkey when you can, pro- a horse is probably faster. Right? But what she's thinking is this. I need something that's going to be able to carry the burden. I need something that's not going to give out on the way to getting my miracle. I need something that can carry me. And not only carry me, but carry the man of God when we get there to bring us back again. Horse might be faster, but it gives out quicker. That donkey may not get there very fast. It might take some time, but I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna get there. You know what? You might be met, you might have lapped me a couple times. Your horse might have rode by me, but I want you to know I'm gonna get there. This ain't over. I'm gonna get there. So don't worry about me. You go on ahead. But you know what? I'm gonna get there. And it's not about just getting there, I'm gonna get back again, because we gotta bring someone back to touch my son. Somebody say, good Lord. good Lord. So when the promise dies, number three, don't complain, proclaim. Don't complain, proclaim. And I shared with you this, uh, I'm kind of going backwards here, but verse 23 says, why, why are you going to him today? It's neither the new moon or the Sabbath. And she said, it's well. When she gets over to the man of God, Please run now and meet her and say to her, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with the child? See, Elijah understood this. There's something wrong here. And he says, God has hidden it from me. So he sends his servant to ask, is everything well? And so while she's on the donkey, here comes Gehazi. She walks up, is everything okay? And she said, it's well. In other words, I'm not going to share my problem. With someone that can't do anything about it. Oh, somebody got to hear me this morning. Some of you Facebook book posters. I don't understand the purpose with half the stuff you put on there. Angry. I'm so P.I. dot 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 E.D. You just got it. (laughs) It just blows me away. And we think, well, I'm just being real. You ain't being real. I need you to understand something. is that when we find ourselves in crisis, we don't share the crisis with people that can do nothing about it. She's riding and she understood this. God created with the spoken word. And I also create atmospheres with the word I speak as well. And so while I'm riding along, all of a sudden my husband asks me, is everything okay? It's going to be. You can't help me. I love you, but you can't help me. So get out of my way right now. I'm going somewhere. Gehazi comes up. Is everything okay? Listen, I know that you're the servant, but you don't have what it takes to raise my son. It's Well, and then she goes on. It's not until she gets to the man of God that number four steps in. And with this, I close. If I can have the worship team help me, when the promise dies, remember it's not over. Turn to your neighbor, say, "It's not over." Come on, turn to your other neighbor, tell him, "It's not over." She she gets there. Now, follow me on this, folks, okay? The Bible says that when she comes to Elisha, she throws herself at his feet. A sign before God of humility, a position of worship, a position of submission. How many times, you see, I'm not telling you you got to fake it till you make it. I'm telling you is that be real with the right people. Let the problem be known to the right person. When she gets in the presence of God, where the man of God is, she lets it all out. And when she gets to Elijah, she tells him this. Didn't I tell you? Didn't I tell you? I told you. You told me you were going to give me a son. I told you no. Told you don't give me no son. Don't be giving me something you plan on taking away. But this woman recognized something. You promised me a son. And I told you don't give him to me. And then he's going to die like that? Uh-uh. I'm not accepting that. That's not the way this story is going to end. No, you're going to come with me. I got my burrow right here. I got my mule right here. I got my donkey right here. And you're going to jump on this thing with me. And we're going to go back together. And you're going to lay hands on my baby boy. When Elijah hears that, he sends Gehazi up ahead with his staff. Jesse, come on here real quick. Actually, you know what? Stay right there. Come here, buddy. Not you. Your nephew. Jump up here, that's what you get for being in here, lay down, you're dead, you're dead, stop moving, stop laughing, stop laughing, close your eyes, stop breathing. Gehazi runs up ahead while the donkey's moving. Gehazi gets to the room, climbs up the stairs, goes into the room, takes the staff, and he lays it on the head of the child. And nothing happens. Listen very closely. I'm going to close, so stay with me. When you take a dead thing and you place it on a dead thing, What happens? Nothing. I need you to understand that when you're going through crisis in your life, when you're going through battle, I can't go to no dead church with a dead preacher, with dead people, with dead things, with dead worship. I need something that is alive. I need a live God that's able to raise those things that are dead. Gehazi is sitting there doing exactly what the man of God says. Stop smiling. And Nothing's happening. The stick, the dead thing just keeps hitting him and it's doing nothing. Then the man of God comes up. I'm not going to do it. I'll crush the little guy. Oh, like that? Elijah comes up and the Bible says that he lays on top of the boy, nose to nose, mouth to mouth, eye to eye, hand to hand, and he lays on top of the boy. The Bible says that as he lays there, he gets up off the boy and the boy begin to wax warm. Warm. The, the, the King James says he waxed warm. The cold, rigor mortis body begins to get warm. <laughs> Some of you are missing that point right now. See, because you know what? We don't, we, we don't get excited about little things. But when your child's dead and they're cold... And all of a sudden, the man of God, the presence of God rests over them. And all of a sudden, that thing that was cold starts getting warm. The pulse hasn't come back yet. He's not breathing, he's not not moving, but the body that was once cold is now getting a little warm. I'm here to tell you that when your marriage is cold, and it's dying, and it's dead, and all of a sudden, the presence of God comes, and it starts getting a little warm. Oh, you got to do a little dance. When all of a sudden, the the body starts getting a little warm, all of a sudden, the finances, a check comes in. You weren't expecting, what am I saying? Celebrate the small things. Celebrate the small changes. Don't know how many times I've seen it. A man, a wife leaves her husband. The man starts getting things right. starts trying to make changes. And she's looking at it like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not going to last. Stop being negative and start celebrating the small changes. <laughs> because of small things. He lays on them again. Then the child gets up. <laughs> Elijah calls the mother and he hands the child back to the mother. But before she takes her son, she falls down at the feet of the man of God and worships. What am I telling you? That many of us are giving up way too quickly on our miracles and there's things that are dead that are supposed to come back to life it's not over speaking this to you right now it's not over I'm declaring this over your family it's not over Speaking it over your marriage, it's not over. Declaring right now over that over that addiction, it's not over. God's going to bring breakthrough in that thing. I'm here to tell you right now that sickness, it's not over. God's going to bring healing in that thing. The things you've been praying for are about to take place. Bow your heads with me right now. Hallelujah. There are some things we've let die. As the worship team sings, I want you just for a moment, right where you are, would you just begin to start believing and let God bring a conceiving inside your spirit.
0: It's not over. It's not finished. It's not ending. It's only the beginning when God is in all things are new, ooh, ooh, ooh. all things are new, ooh, ooh, ooh. all things all things are It's not finished, it's not ending, it's only the beginning, it's not over, it's not finished, it's not ending, it's only the beginning, when God all things
1: are new father i pray right now over every person in this house right now we declare that it's not over i speak over you right now that this only your beginning The things you thought were dead, the things you thought were gone, the promises you thought would never see the light of day again. I'm speaking to you now for those in the pregnancy stage that you're going to begin to see God birthing something new. For those of you that thought that that thing died, it's going to come back to life. And so I speak over your marriage. I speak over your finances, over your mind, over that addiction. I speak over that business plan. I declare now in Jesus' name that those things you thought could never happen, are going to live again. I speak it over you in Jesus' name. Right now. I want you just to stand to your feet.
0: Thank you for downloading this message. For more information on our church, visit us at www.cwcsj.org.